0: It's almost like I barely recognised George without the glasses. Did you see that? What? And in, on Instagram, Some, somewhere, I was like barely recognised him. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> it's not like that. That's Set. why I started taking them off. It's like okay. There are seven different hosts that are cycled the show. <laughs> it's not like the. the I mean, it's not like Clark Kent, is it? Like, yeah. I just. <laughs> Who are you? Man? Man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hello. And welcome to the first episode of the year. Yes, 2023. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, full disclosure: we are recording this prior to 2023, as you can imagine, with schedules and timings. Yeah, but we're still going to have a lovely show, and I hope you had a great Christmas. Today is actually the day that is the shortest day of the year. Yes. And thank God that is that's over. It was sort of can... like 3:20, and I go, "Is it dark already?" Mm. Uh, now it's only going to get brighter. I mean, we still got. A good eight weeks Yeah, Every time I complain about the darkness, though, that I'll always have someone who's lived or does live in a Scandinavian country yeah. being like, you have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> Okay, yeah. you have no idea. The summers, crazy. The yeah. winters, also crazy. I've done Iceland in November when mm. the, the, it's pitch black by 4, mm. 4.30. It's kind of interesting. Well, I'm, I, I, a guy recently was telling me about how his sister lives in Finland mm. and... They'd- sirens are on our end. If you're driving, apologies. Yes, they don't usually come through, but they are there. James lives in the absolute den of vice in London. So, um, uh, his sister lives in uh, Helsinki, I believe. And uh, he said that he went out there for Midsummer, uh, which I'm hoping I'm getting that right because Midsummer I traditionally think of as a Swedish thing. And if and I, I believe it was this guy who told me this story. And I'm really okay. sorry if I've conflated two different Scandinavian countries. I'm sorry, but anyway, he said that uh, he went out there for Midsummer once, and you know how. I think this song was like a scientific thing that you know like dogs and animals and sometimes people can get very strange at dusk yeah imagine being it being dusk for like four <laughs> or five hours <laughs> yeah. with loads of booze and merriment that's like crazy I, weird vibes anyway um it's an Ari Aster film more of that later actually um but i just wanted to begin because uh the episode before the episode that was the last episode so yeah. before we did the Pop kitchen awards we did the review of avatar the way the way of the water the way of the water i'm that. an idiot you got that. um and uh, obviously now people probably have had a lot more time to go and see it and, and have their thoughts etc yeah. but i was talking to a colleague the other day about having they went to see it and they told me about their experience yeah okay first of all they were like oh don't bother going to see it and yeah. i was like yeah yeah, no, i know my, my james has told me about it and they were like it's too long too boring etc yeah they went to see it at the odeon in I don't know, Hammersmith, somewhere okay. I really like. vibes. Yeah. And she said she went to see it um, and uh, packed cinema. Yeah. And it just, the vibe was so dead. And the, the, the screening began and it was, in. it had subtitles, right? Okay. Just the whole screening and subtitles, and she was like, well, Were they fine. in papyrus? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just like regular yeah. English subtitles. And she was like, okay, whatever. I don't mind subtitles. And actually, you know what? As a side point here, mm. sometimes if I'm really struggling with a film- Me too. Or struggling, I just put the- it, Provided it's not a comedy where it ruins the joke. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But if you put the subtitles on, honestly, oh, if you're struggling to follow a film or concentration, it helps. With my parents, they're so much more engaged with the film. Oh, don't you don't get, I don't get it. What's going on? Yeah. I've not no, they get it. And, and actually, you, you actually learn to appreciate the script so much more. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, they do, they, it is a tip to buddy screenwriters to watch films with the subtitles mm, on so you yeah. can see the dialogue. Anyway, so that they're watching it, and about eight minutes in, the film just stops. Whoa. And just, like, the lights come up, and everyone's like, What? And then this woman comes walking back in from the audience. She says, yeah, you'll thank me later. I couldn't watch it with subtitles. Ridiculous. So this woman has gone outside, complained about subtitles. The cinema then stops the film for 10 minutes. Everyone's just sat there. They then put the film back on, wind forward to where they were, and they couldn't even get rid of the subtitles. So what? you've had this real sort of like stop start beginning. I thought I thought it was ridiculous. I've never but heard of that. Also, I... aren't subtitle screenings there for a reason? It's yes. not just like some projectionist yeah. pressed the button by accident. Also, like it's not yeah, it's not like it was it was dubbed. It was you can you can work with subtitles. And if yeah, it, it's one thing to go out and say I'm sorry. I really struggle with subtitles. I didn't I didn't pay for the screening. Could you give me my money back and I'll book for another screening? That's one thing. But. uh to, to like ramp speak sack. for everyone I in the know. audience as well and then and then also she said it was so boring that she saw, um, my friend saw it at um during the World Cup final which right, by okay. the way so much more thrilling oh my yeah. god did you watch it <laughs> incredible, incredible. incredible yeah. so oh, I imagine listening to this in January 2023, really outdated. very this, outdated. this week yeah. but anyway um But she says, some dad was just in the row in front watching watching the World Cup And and it did not bother my friend because the film was so boring. She was like, I can, I totally respect that this guy is wanting to watch the World Cup final. People have been, people have asked me, oh, like, have you seen it? I'm like, yeah, and like, should I? And I'm like, no. And I told them it's really, really boring. And people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, of course. We're not. Act- I mean, I would never actively tell someone to not go to like restrict their freedom. No, of no. Choice. I'm saying like I can't. Of course, they can go. I'm yeah. like I wouldn't personally recommend it. Yeah, given how long it is, yes. I would say don't bother. But I mean, they were like they they can't believe that it's boring. They 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 would accept, expect expect yeah. it to be criticized for a lot of things that we criticize Avatar One for. Yeah. I think the surprise is that it's that boring. Yeah. So how's it done? Like box office wise? Interesting, you say. Well, Just well, wanted to well, pick well, up. We're saying this now. I mean, we're by the time this- people listen to this, it could have taken. That's true. We're recording the week of Christmas, so. But it's still interesting, considering um, how it's opening. How it's opening, gone. but this is how, yeah, this is how Avatar has been doing. Obviously, we all know that there was something going around, saying that it needed to make two billion globally, sure, brilliant. billion dollars <laughs> to even break even. But um, as of the week it came out, uh, Avatar: The Way of the Water has. Avatar The Way of Water (laughs) has opened to $134 million domestically and $435 million globally. Uh, Those are big numbers, Mm. uh, just for perspective. So as reported by Variety, Avatar The Way of Water secured the third biggest global opening weekend during the COVID-19 pandemic, which I'm not sure we're still counting it as COVID-19 pandemic. But anyway, Uh, and now sits uh, behind only... Uh, I can explain why they thought that. Go on. Because I also saw an article, I think on Variety, that said that actually what has slightly impinged the... The box office success of Where the Water is um, the the, 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 there have been COVID outbreaks in China. Oh, fine. And and successive COVID lockdowns. So that is um, tempering people's enthusiasm to go and watch this film. So that's why they probably still frame it in the pandemic. That makes sense. Um, And now it sits behind only Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at 442 million and Spider Man No Way Homes, 600 million. God, that film did Doctor well. Strange made a load of money. Doctor Strange made a load of money. I don't know if it's going to... So the thing about Avatar is typically it sustains making money for a yeah. very long period of time. Um, domestically, Avatar Way of the Water, t- tied with The Batman, is the fifth biggest opening of 2022. Cameron's movies, including Avatar, tend to start a bit slower, as I said, and continue to build up over the following weeks. 09's uh, Avatar opened to only $77 million domestically before continuing on to earn $760 million in North America and $2.92 billion globally to become the highest grossing mm-hmm. movie of all time. Uh, it also held the number one spot for a very long time. The sequel, which earned $301 million internationally, will have a tough time reaching new heights of the original film. However, because especially considering it won't be playing in Russia, where the original film grossed $116 mm. million. China is also a huge market. There was a big play in the original success, but the sequel bell- fell below expectations there in its opening, brought in only by 57.1, which explains... Probably yeah, the COVID thing. The COVID uh, oh. effect. 62% of all those t- who bought tickets to Avatar 2 went to see the movie in premium formats like IMAX, and globally the film made $48.8 million in IMAX alone. 62% is big. Yeah. Considering there aren't that many IMAX screens, um, there's enough to make it IMAX's second biggest weekend ever and the biggest for a movie opening in December. Wow. So, look, there are more numbers you can throw out, but I just, as a, just to comment and put a full stop on the Avatar, the way of water conversation until we're blessed with Avatar 3 in two years, um, <laughs> that it has done very well. I think, you know, Russia and China, global political problems aside. aside it's probably going to do similar numbers i reckon probably not the same mm. like all in all but you're you're looking at a top five of all time it, i, I mean, think it's got 13 years to be avatar yeah well, went to i mean i suppose it took two years and then went back about, yeah Re-release. yeah um yeah so it, it's clearly been a success and how far it goes well time will tell i think that's enough for avatar i don't you think we've yeah. had a lot of chat about it recently it's been a lot let's stop looking back at the films of 2022 james Let's look forward to the year ahead. Let's do it. So, James, everyone, it's 2023. We have a whole new year of films ahead of us to watch. And it's an exciting time. That's an exciting thing to begin a new year and think, what have we got to tuck into? Um, I have pulled a list of films that are being touted as the most anticipated films of this year. And it's based on an article, two articles I've drawn from. One is by Cooper Hood from Screen Rant, and the second is from Tim Lowry and the Rotten Tomatoes staff at Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Pulled that together, got a list of interesting films coming through, and I thought we could just run through them and see what's on the menu for this year. How exciting. Here we go. So first of all, well, I'm going to begin with some more... um, Director talent focused independent kind of style pictures. Yeah, because we've done Marvel. we we've, we've done big ones. I've got some few big ones at the end. But please we'll, go we'll, back we'll to our old episodes where we did phases five and six yeah, for and, all of that. And Disney's D twenty three slate and stuff. Okay, so to begin with, Ari Aster has a new film out next year mm. called Bo is Afraid. So Ari Aster, director of uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, which we just referenced. Yeah. Um, Hereditary, I think we both agree, was really really quite interesting, powerful, and, and disturbing. disturbing. Very very disturbing. Midsummer. Mm, uh, Still think, disturbing. Uh, yes, disturbing my my retinas, retinas. But uh, it lost us. Yes, uh, I think I think it became really, really, really silly, and it became more like, "Dude, where's my ritual?" Can't watch that again. No, I don't want to. I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't want to watch *Redditor* again, but yeah. I could and get more out of it. But yeah. I, don't, I don't, I'm not interested in watching *Midsummer* again. Yeah. No. Great performance by Florence Pugh, though, and obviously Will Poulter and Jack Reynor and all that. Yes. But *Bo is Afraid* is the thrilling combination it says here of Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix. Previously mm. known as *Disappointment Boulevard*, the new movie is um, blends uh, horror and comedy. Apparently, a nightmare comedy that spans decade uh, that spans decades in the life of a successful entrepreneur. Nightmare so, look, comedy. Look. Waking Phoenix, you have me sold. Ari Aster, you have me sold. Together, fantastic. You know we can already see what he does for actors, whether yeah. it's Tony Collette or whether it's Florence Pugh. So, but I was afraid no exact release date yet, but uh, it's planning for a 2023 release. The post has been released recently, so hopefully we'll have something that I don't know. That could come out as late as Halloween next year. It could be earlier in the year, but. I'm I'm happy to watch Give that. Give me more of the splattering of your disturbed mind <laughs> yeah, than Lloyd, and I will consume it yeah. and cry and yeah. Yeah, for all my misgivings from Moon Summer, I would I'm still gonna go see that. So that's called yeah. Bo is Afraid. Next up, Matthew Vaughan has a new movie. Now Matthew okay. Vaughan is very hit and miss, I think. Yeah. Um you know, Kick Ass was fine, and then when, uh, that's definitely one of those films that when you go back and rewatch, you go, "Oh Jesus!" I think he's done the best X Men movie. X Men First Class. First yes, class. I remember you saying you like yeah. that. Um I've seen the first Kingsman, which I thought was fine. Yeah, I've heard the second Kingsman is uh, awful, um, totally off for me. And then yeah. I, 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 I did you watch the Kingsman no. with with recent fans? No, I didn't. But like that's one of those classic films that came out at the beginning of 2022. <laughs> yeah, just sort of slipped. It did. Out. It really sort of slipped by. Uh it? But he's coming back with a film called Argyle and I mentioned it because it's Henry Cavill headlining it, and of course. He did um, Man from Uncle, with yes, him. with Guy Ritchie. because oh, uh, I know I fell into the same trap of conflating Guy Ritchie. Oh, and fine. that's really it's a Guy Ritchie film, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. I didn't mind The Man from Uncle, I haven't seen it. All oh, right, yeah, well. it's fine, it's stylish. Um, so Henry Cavill headlines a new spy movie for director Matthew Vaughan in Argyle. Uh, it's based on an unreleased novel and uh, you know, uh, returns both Matthew Vaughan and Henry Cavill to the spy genre. It also stars Bryce. Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Samuel L. Jackson, John Cena, Sam Rockwell, and Dua Lipa. Okay. Uh, international Dipping pop sensation. In the acting Argyle. She acted before? Is that a first? Uh, I think it's a first. Wow, okay. Yes. Uh, Argyle does not have an official 2023 release date, but it's, it's being made through Apple TV Plus. Um, but it could be a new franchise. Interesting, okay. um, They're popping up more and more. It's more and more projects. That's it. Apple, yeah. Next up uh, is a film called Renfield. Have you heard of this one? I think so, go on. Uh, so Nicholas Holt's in this one. So Universal is returning oh, to the yeah. realm of Universal Monsters. Really? they returning to that? A film following Dracula's henchmen. So Nicholas Holt stars as Renfield while Nicholas Cage plays Dracula. Now, I perfect. perfect. having Casting. seen the pictures of Nicholas Cage as Dracula and knowing that the director is Lego Batman movie director, Chris McKay, I think this is actually going to be quite a fun, playful, exciting, okay. joyful experience that isn't just dour and you know, all Universal Gothic. Monsters. Yeah, I think they're going to really ham it up and, and really have fun with this. Okay, so um, it's got Ben Schwartz in it as well and, and like that, Uh The movie follows Renfield as he tries to quit working for Dracula to pursue love, and the horror comedy. There you go, horror uh, comedy. Okay. Horror could comedy. be a surprise hit. That's what I was wondering. I was like, there's a lot of different things, like what genres but, we could no, go but like, to. I there, but I love the, you know, things cool. like the Lego movies and the Lego Batman movies, there's got a lot of playful inventedness in it. And, you know, I'm always game for Nick Cage. Love Nick. I, yeah, I like Nick Holt, actually. I and I'm really it. enjoying um, putting horror and comedy together. I feel yes. like it, it usually it's like always a really good mix. Yeah, of course. Also, more um, that's coming out in April. Looking forward to that. Nice. So you're doing chronological order, I assume. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I'm just, I'm doing the order of the, the list. wrote in. <laughs> Sure, yeah, great. Um, <laughs> The next one, now I'm interested in this one. next one's called Maestro. And this is Bradley Cooper's next directorial film, follow-up to Star is Born. Yeah, so this is him playing uh, Leonard Bernstein, famous, um, you know, world-famous uh, composer yeah. um, from America. Uh, he, it's about his romance with Felicia Montalegre, uh, played by Kerry Mulligan. Maestro was initially Correct. developed as a film by Spielberg, but that he passed on the movie and gave, uh, gave it to Cooper, also, uh, sporting cast also includes uh, Maya Hawke from Stranger Things. Um, again, no exact release date, but it's meant to be coming and out. I've seen a picture of Bradley Cooper made Fair. up to look like Leonard Bernstein, yeah. and he's unrecognizable. But yeah, well, yeah I, 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 you know, he's an older sort of craggy face. Spielberg must get films sent to him like a oh Tinder feed of yeah. just left, right. Do I put and my name? To, he starts on to it. a little bit, and he goes, no, 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 no. Because all this one, I'm going to really yeah. do put it in like my my star list. This one, I'm yeah. going to sort of associate with. That no, no. Where no. do you stand on? a star is born i liked it i didn't love it i yeah. thought lady gaga was really great in it. i thought chemistry between bradley cooper and lady gaga was really good i didn't some people came out like, oh my god star is born best picture you've got to see it and it just i did i saw it and i never thought about it again yeah i agree i thought lady gaga was fantastic some great songs in it bradley Her, cooper's perf- really good as yeah well. and bradley cooper perfectly competently put together but i think that it was just missing a certain something what, what I, I thought was interesting is that um, there was a lot of very interesting subplots and subtext that actually was um, yeah. missing from the film. But the, I remember an interview that Bradley Cooper gave with like Kermit and Mayo. And in the interview, very casually, he explained the relationship between Bradley Cooper's character and his brother, his older brother, played by Sam Elliott. You know, right. he has that, Yeah, yeah. And he explained this whole backstory about how they were in a band together. And he explained it as if that's already in the film. And then you watch the film, and that is really, really not in there. You really have yeah. to have known that going in, because I remember I saw it with my girlfriend. And then afterwards, I was like, "Yeah, because you know they were in a band together and yeah. uh, And she was like, "That was completely really? lost of it, exactly." Yeah. So, um, but that was his first film. So looking forward to seeing Maestro, and I, I definitely, having seen A Star Is Born, thought Bradley Cooper. I'd like to see more of that. Bradley Cooper's developed incredibly into this <sighs> not only like leading Hollywood man, but like mm. director, visionary, singer, yeah. real sort of like tour de force. Okay, next up is Martin Scorsese's film *Killers of the Flower Moon*. Yeah, we mentioned this briefly when we were talking about the Oscars for this year. It's probably not going to. But make it's not. It it it's actually going to be the Oscars next, year, I think. This Fine. is for not for Netflix. This is for Apple TV Plus because obviously, he made oh, the Irish for it? Netflix. Yeah, he switched. Switch teams. So it stars uh, Jesse Plemons, Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser. Whoa, <laughs> yes. a smoking hot cast. Yes. Uh, The movie adaptation of David Grant's novel that follows a murder investigation in the 1920s and it's been in development since 2017. I think that's going to be a big Oscar contender next year. So we probably won't be seeing that until December, 2023. Leo Scorsese, yes. Jesse Plemons, hell yeah. Just uh, all of it. There's also, um, this is the first time today doing this research that I noticed this, but apparently Scorsese has another film on his slate with Leo, which is Roosevelt. Yeah. um, I you mean, know, uh, you know, the Great Depression, um what's the word? FDR, not Teddy Roosevelt, but yeah. um FDR. Um that has um not it's got a release date, but there's nothing else been heard about it. And I would be surprised if they've been, if it been so, shot. well I don't know. That's the thing. Has Scorsese been there's been a, the last news I could see about it was it being announced in like 2017, twenty seventeen. Check on IMDb if it's be if it's I in have. production. Oh It's have. just got Scorsese and Leo attached to it nothing else. So it's in pre production. I, I almost yeah, yeah I don't I don't think this is coming out, yeah, but interesting be. that that's maybe in the works. I'll take it. They really are Scorsese, Leo, mm. just doing. So it. So we've had some, uh, we've had Scorsese. We've got um, Bradley Cooper coming back. We've got horror comedies, and then another great return of another great director is um, the Killer, which is David Fincher's new film. Now, yes. as I have said, I would prefer David Fincher to go back and finish Mindhunter, which is a yeah. fantastic series. <laughs> yeah. But he seems intent after not doing that. So his last film was Mank, which came out on Netflix, and this is um, a film called The Killer which is a uh, assassin movie season reteam with the writer of seven Andrew Kevin Walker. And it it stars the guy we've been missing for a long time, Michael Fassbender. He took back years in the saddle, off, right? I think he had kids. Yes, he had a list of which is totally fair. Totally goes, fair. That's nothing. He's <laughs> allowed but to live a life. What a great, talented actor, good in everything um, that I've missed out on. The killer is based on a French graphic novel by Alexis Noland about an assassin who begins to develop a conscience, resulting in a psychological breakdown as his skills continue to be demanded. Was the last Fassbender film Dark Phoenix? Yes, which I feel like was just like such a contractual obligation. <laughs> <He laughs> Sleep walked into yeah. that. Um, the movie also stars Tilda Swinton and considering how- uh nice. Yeah, so uh, the movie also stars Tilda Swinton. And I think that we know Fincher does crime. We know Fincher does like- Cold, can do, sterile. Mean, he's yeah. a great director. Yeah. Um, and any new David Fincher film is something to be excited about. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Moving on. Uh, early in 2023, we have Magic Mike's Last Dance. Right, magic Mike. Yeah, magic yeah, Mike. Yeah. What do you think I said? He said magic Mike. No, magic Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I see. I can. I yeah, yeah. together. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Um, I mentioned this only because Steven Soderbergh is uh, directing it again, and it's got Channing Tatum and Salma Hayek. Did Soderbergh do two? I don't know if he did. Um, uh, XXL, <laughs> as it was called, Magic Mike XXL in 2015. Yeah. Look. Uh, I didn't see XSL. I saw the first Magic Mike, which I thought was fine. Better than you could have thought it would be. Do you know what be? was the strange thing about that film was? It changed protagonists like three times. Yeah. It started off as Alex Pettifer's film, <laughs> then it became The Girlfriend's film, and then it became Magic Mike's, you'd Mike's film. you never think from the marketing it would be Alex Petifer's film. You're no. watching it, it's like, oh, you really spend time with Alex Petifer and this yeah. whole underworld, and yeah, yeah, as you know, it just completely switches. So that's coming out. Currently in London, that has spawned a very successful live, yeah. live theatre show, which is not a drama. It is exactly what Magic like is from that, yeah. and it, the marketing is all over the tube in in London yeah. constantly. I'm seeing rippling abs, Magic Mike live, Double XL. I'm like, fair play, fair and play. it says Channing Tatum presents that. He, that must be a screen which comes up. There's no way yeah. Channing Tatum, but that around. means like you know every dollar that you put, every pound, every pound, every uh, pound coin you throw at a stripper, <laughs> yeah. goes to Channing Tatum. Fifteen p goes to Channing. Um, okay, then we've got another another uh, threequel. Yeah. Creed 3. Sure. I'm into Creed. 3. I think this looks great. This is actually directed by Michael B Jordan this time. Yeah. Look, I quite liked Creed. Yes. I didn't see Creed 2. Not as good. Um and then now we've got Creed 3. Creed 1, obviously Creed 1. Creed was originally directed by um Ryan Coogler, who yes. went on to do Black Panther. Um look, I like Michael B Jordan. I think he's a talent yeah. and now he's moved behind the camera. Great. Good for him. Um obviously sees Michael B Jordan, Tessa Thompson, um I don't know, because I didn't see Creed 2. Is Rocky in this one still? No, so Creed... Rocky Spoilers. was in Creed 2, um, but he has... I think there's been a fallout over the scripts, and he's oh. not in Creed 3. I, I don't want to speak on this, because he's... Um, He's basically like made comments and I've not properly read up on it, but there was like a reason he's not in it. And I think it's based on like story decisions. I I can't be asked to get it up. But I've only seen passing comments. It also features as the nemesis, man of the moment, Jonathan Majors, looking so hot right now. Stacked like a brick shit house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Creed as a character (laughs) is a little bit one dimensional. I feel like there's one, you know, Agenda for that character and it's to prove that they're mm-hmm. as good as thing. And I I feel like it doesn't sustain. I feel like I need this another three films. Yeah. Well, but then this looks interesting because the whole thing is that it- the, from what the trailer sells it, it's like he's reached his success he's achieved his goals yeah and then well, that was two his best friend comes out of prison and it's very much like the path he could have taken yeah if he hadn't been successful and there's a sort of like this resentment between them but they're friends but they're enemies but they're brothers yeah. but they're, so um great soundtracks on all of them if you're ever working out whack on a creed soundtrack get you pumped okay <laughs> cool um next up 65 now this Adam could go Driver. either yeah. Adam Driver in another- he came out a couple of weeks ago. Big, you know, Adam Driver can be in any film and it's always interesting, but yeah. it's not, it's interesting to see him return to another big, big budget franchise movie because he could do prestigious os- Oscar picks for in the rest a of film his life. In a film which looks like the plot of After Earth with Will and Jaden and Smith. Yes, so this yeah. is <laughs> called 65 because it is set 65 million years ago, but you wouldn't think that from the trailer because Adam Driver is flying a spaceship which hits a load of asteroids and crashes on a mysterious planet and has one sole survivor and it's a child. He's got to look after them. What's on this planet? Well, would you actually believe it's 65 million years ago, prehistoric Earth, and it's Spaceman versus Dinosaurs, basically. (laughs) Um, It's from the writers of uh, A Quiet Place. And look, the thing is... um, I'm I'm all for a silly premise well executed. So uh, I and I and I reserve my judgment. And I really like Adam Driver. I believe that Adam Driver also chooses his films quite carefully. Yes. So I hope there's more to this than an After Earth, or or um, (laughs) you know he needed a new house to be paid for, (laughs) something like that. Um, Some distant cousin is after Earth. That I never saw, but that looks. I didn't. I think I watched first ten minutes on Sky years ago and then couldn't continue. Sorry. I love you. After Earth, still can't wait to see it. Jaden, um, ah, uh, next up one I think we're both very excited for is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, yep. the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. I love that film, Oscar-winning film, best animation that year. Just broached, broke your heart. I've fall, falling immediately stunning. in love with characters, yeah. visually unique. Never really Brilliant. seen anything like it. Fantastic. Look, I mean, what else to say? It, it, it's what you expect. It's more- Also a great soundtrack. Sorry. Also great soundtrack. It's more of Miles Morales. It's more of the animation style. Yep. Um, it's going to feature uh, Gwen Stacy, played by Hailee Steinfeld again. Uh, also Oscar Isaac's Miguel O'Hara, aka Spider-Man 2099. Yeah um there's also spider woman in there and it's probably likely that jake johnson's peter parker will also be back as well and 50 other spider-man variants Exactly, and that's what i just want color frenetic energy fun soundtrack funny jokes but also a good bit of heart that's what the film had. i think it's cool to have a film which i know they could do this live action but it's the kind of thing that you could only do animated or do really well and stylistically i think you know they could do all this like dimension warping but i don't think i want to see that with live action, I yeah. like that they've gone, we're animating this, we can go as stylish and comic booky and as wacky as we can. Yeah. That, that's the creative liberation of hand draw, like digitally drawing something, yeah. I think that's cool. I love it, I can't wait to see it. Okay, next up, so uh, just a couple more. I don't know how to feel about this one. So do you know David Gordon Green much as a director? Yeah, what's he done again? Names familiar. Well, so David Gordon Green has had a quite interesting career. He started off with making like a low budget indie films like George Washington, um, and then um, went on and made things like Prince Avalanche, which is quite a good film. But then he's he's also done kind of mainstream comedies he made Pineapple Express that's where i know him for. and the past i mean he, he's clearly a talented director and like i really liked Prince Avalanche and you know he also does some acting he is in Bones and All he is the guy who's with Michael Stuhlbarg oh right. yes yes so a perfect competent guy and however he um has spent the past few years making the Halloween reboot trilogy, right? Right. You know, Halloween, which was actually Halloween 2, but was actually called Halloween. And then there was Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Yeah. I have some friends who saw all of those at the cinema. Yeah. And they said Halloween, which was Halloween 2, but wasn't Halloween 2, was fine. Yeah. Halloween Kills, silly nonsense, but they had a great time at the cinema. Uh, And I've heard Halloween Ends was absolutely diabolically bad. Really? So... David Gordon Green now returns and he's doing the same thing now with another horror franchise and that's The Exorcist, which we yes, talked about last year. Do you did. remember we did a whole episode about it? Um, you can watch so, our reacting to The Exorcist uh, episode from a while ago now. But, basically, yeah. yeah, we watched it for the first time yeah. and kind of gave our impressions. But basically, a bit like how we did with Halloween, it's going to be a st- direct sequel to the 1973 original, which would be, the- is 50 years old this year and it's going to um, follow up to that it's going to have um, it's going to have Ellen Burstyn in return she played the mother in the yeah. original i had no mention of Linda Blair um, i'm we'll Next. see i'll see because i mean i liked the exorcist i yeah. don't think it needs a 50 year belated you know retcon redid um and i sequel. assume it will be 50 years later and I, I guess to... yeah uh, but it stars leslie odom jr edin burston as i mentioned and ann dowd Now ann dowd is a great actress she she's in she's in hereditary she's the one who's at the meeting yeah. and goes oh you know i must talk to you about yeah, your, your mother you. fantastic so interesting we're getting an exorcist franchise surprised they want to touch it but then i'm also not surprised given the cycling of ip that they they are going to go back to it but i'm just uh it's all going to be in the tone of that first look of how i feel about it when it comes to what they're doing how they're making it look just going there is just making me go "Ah, well maybe you shouldn't i think it's that they uh you know if you look at films over the past since in the 50 years since the Exorcist, you've had loads of films that Basically, trying to capitalize on the legacy of The Exorcist in the same way that The Godfather spawned all like the mob genre, you know whether, whether it's Pray for the Devil or The Last Exorcism of yeah. Emily Rose. Every so off, every couple of years, you'll get a NAF Exorcist light film, yeah. and it's now that they've gone. You know what? Why don't we just like do The Exorcist? What do we like, actually do? Why do we just do it again? But like, follow up. Um, what I haven't seen Halloween Kills. What I will say is there is some interesting. Uh, they do some like r- very uh well detailed recreation of the 1970s that seamlessly blend with the clips of the original, oh, that's and cool. then so they actually like Donald Pleasence's character. I know he plays the Doctor Loomis in Halloween. Yeah. They actually recreated him really interestingly with some prosthetics on one of their sound guys. So actually, it's almost like an uncanny overlap. So the the scar tissue between the film 50 years ago and now, hopefully, won't be too prominent. But anyway, that's happening. Okay. I watched the first reboot of the Halloween. So what would be Halloween 2? Two? Halloween I 2018. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, James, did you know we're getting a new Hunger Games film next year? Pass yeah. on this for me. Yeah, a hard pass. Hard pass. pass. Um, this is going to be... Okay, so it's uh, directed by the franchise veteran Francis Lawrence. It's a prequel. And it's uh, going to follow a young Coriolanus Snow, uh, who, which was originally played by Donald Sutherland. And it's about his involvement in the Hunger Games and the... <laughs> Sorry, Hunger I just games... bored myself even, even reading it. Hunger Games 1 is interesting because it's totally. a concept. It's yeah. a very interesting, violent, gripping. Yeah. Le- leads up to the big battle. Your third act yeah. is your battle. Very, very engaging. The second one is the same, but, it, but, but, b- but bigger. And they said, Oh, it's a quarter quell, conveniently. And and as again. soon as that franchise... I've not read the books. I've just watched the films. As soon as that departed from the Hunger Games games, it was so... Boring. Yeah. I was, I was when those films were out. I was like, yeah, I'll watch Hunger Games three. I want to see. I don't know anything about the story. I want to see how this ends. I was so yeah. bored. It was like almost grayscale. Oh. The performances looked bored. The writing was bored. Didn't even. I couldn't even finish part two. It was so boring. Well, we're how does the it end? <laughs> and um, obviously, the, you know, there are lots of other bigger films like you know, Mission Impossible Seven. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But a film that we talked about at towards the end of twenty twenty one. This is a film that's coming out in December 2023 this year. That's Wonka. um, Timothy Chalamet as... Early days Willy Wonka. Timothy Chalamet steps into the offbeat shoes of a young Willy Wonka in this origin story, which captures the budding chocolatier as he crosses paths with the Oompa Loompas. Also stars Olivia Colman, cool. Sally Hawkins, always great. Keegan-Michael Key, yay. And Rowan Atkinson, we mentioned him yeah, else. Yeah, love that. Um, round out, and they ran out the great cast. So, and um, it's directed more importantly by Paul King, who did the first two Paddington films, which I Very rewatched Paddington 2 hands. the other day fantastic by the way that breaks your rule of uh film with a talking animal that is good because you said there are no good films with talking animals and that uh, one is yes do you know uh, i think it's more it's the only one it's probably okay i think it's more films that have where like someone learns to commune with animals <laughs> or like where there's like uh, yeah. Oh my God, I can hear you talk! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, talk I mean, to do little. a zookeeper with Kevin James. <laughs> yeah. um, you're right, talking animals. It does break the rule, but it's a really fantastic. What a great, exception. what a great exception. Yeah. I mean, Paddington 2, it's sublime. Uh, frankly, just absolutely sublime. People overhyped it so much, but that did not stop no. me. I was like, okay, how good can this be? <laughs> oh, <Lucy>. Absolutely. <laughs> Uncle Pastuzo. Like, so that is a very, very. Uh, um, what am I trying to say? Handbrake turn, uh, screeching Skin. run through. you got Oppenheimer, uh, yeah, look, we, that we've look, mentioned, yeah, no, we've mentioned Barbie, yeah. all that stuff, but this is so the films many. we haven't mentioned. So that is some interesting ones there. James, of all the ones I've mentioned, do you have one in particular that you're- Killers the of you're the Flower th- Moon, I think. think. Yes, I don't I, think I know so little about it, yeah. but that's going to be really cool. I, um, yeah. I would say that or actually Ari Aster's one. Purely yeah. because I just don't know what I'm going to get. Do you know what I'm even more excited about? The what? film that's not on this list, that we've not even mentioned, that's not on our radar, that I'm going to hopefully really love by the end of next year. Oh yeah, year. I know what you mean. The one that it, we have no don't idea is coming out. Yeah, uh, By the end of the year, we'll be going, oh my God, that film that came out. And people just start saying, oh, you need to see this film. i are like, what's that? And yeah. then like, I, so it just comes and it happens and it's fantastic. Um, so there you are, guys. That is a very sort of quick discursive look at... Uh, The films that are coming out this year what are you excited to see what are you uh, is there any big films that we've missed i mean we have talked about other ones in previous episodes we couldn't do them all today but yeah let us know what films for 2023 this year that you are most interested to see and i hope you're looking forward to in between every one of those films you see there'll be a marvel film and (laughs) and a blockbuster blockbuster tv show and a tv show (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um yeah as ever write into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and that'd be great Anyway, James, those are the films that are coming out this year, but you've already seen a couple of films over the uh, Christmas break. Yeah, just finished my year with a couple of other ones. The first one I saw, which by the time people are listening to this will be, you know, a couple of months old. But it is Antoine Foucault's new film, Emancipation, Mm. starring controversially Will Smith. This film was shot before the Oscars last year. Right. And it was very quickly sort of put on ice and it's now being put out. It's an Apple TV Plus original. And I think there is this little bit of a, you know, I've seen Will Smith in the week it was sort of coming out did a couple of late night shows where he's promoting the film but he's also doing his first bit of official promo yeah. for a film since that and i think your feelings about watching will smith on screen again is probably quite mixed and i think mm-hmm. it's going to be different from person to person yeah. i kind of had this sense of uh yeah all right go on then yeah. like i was sort of a bit weird for me um but it's worth mentioning that this film's kind of been put on ice yeah. and it's his first one coming back Emancipation is set in 1860s Louisiana, and um, Will Smith plays Peter, a Haitian slave who is working on a cotton plantation in Louisiana. And very early on in the film, he gets separated from his family, and he swears that he will find them and get them back. And in the meantime, he's taken to do labor on a railroad railroad track. And uh, uh, Stephen Ogg and Ben Foster play some of the people in charge of making sure that the slaves are, you know, building this railroad. And at this moment in time, Abraham Lincoln has declared that all those who were previously considered slaves are now free men. And you've got this idea that this news, obviously, in the 1860s is spread very slowly across the United States of America. And uh, Will Smith overhears uh, Stephen Ogg's character saying that, oh, did you guys hear it? Abraham Lincoln has declared slaves free, not that they care, right? You're building Mm. building the railroad. With that news, um, Will Smith... Uh, through certain events in the plot and a whole big explosion. Sorry, someone just screamed outside. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, manages to run away and he needs to run away to a Lincoln freed state where slaves are acknowledged as free men. But what is in between him and freedom? Five days traveling through a swamp of, Lu- of Louisiana. Ben Foster plays a very ominous and villainous uh, slave catcher. He sort of glares at them as they're across and he has this way of... Uh, whistling with with dogs and he gets them to fetch and he sort of has this implied layer of depth which i don't think is really there Mm -hmm. and uh he says things to Will smith's character saying i am your god you are my dog you will beg for me and this film really feels like it's in that brand of we really want to be considered as an oscar film it is almost black and white it's like barely got color and it's almost slightly sepia like an old uh, piece of parchment aged piece of parchment or an old photograph from the 1800s would be and i found i had the mixed feelings about that i thought i get what you're trying to do you're trying to almost like show me that how could there be any beauty mm. in slavery and what it's depicting on screen um but it's also got this very so i can see all the pores in everyone's faces the scars and the skin Mm. and i just felt it was a little bit drab and a little bit lifeless which i know is a weird thing to say when it comes to depicting slavery but i just didn't really find it that compelling to watch is it like your thing about not wanting to talk you know not seeing how many scenes of people in dark rooms talking like that kind of no not necessarily i just found it quite uh uncompelling to to look at okay um, I weirdly found there were sort of certain choices with the cinematography where it was sweeping through cotton fields and going high above the forest and moving through people over their shoulder. And I thought it was a little bit at odds with its tone. I thought, can we, can we not just keep the camera still mm. for this? I actually thought, you know, don't, don't, move, don't move around so yeah. much uh, as I said it really wants to be an Oscar film there are moments where I think it really goes this is a big scene, this is a big monologue mm. we really want to make you feel here and it never really quite connected with me there is a sense that this is going for the category of Oscar that I think The Revenant went for mm. where if you swap out the 1860s Louisiana for 1820s New Frontier you take out a giant bear attack for a giant alligator attack which right. does happen in this and gritty survival hiding underneath the swamp and masking your scent from the dogs. Not so much dialogue but a lot of struggling, grunting, going grunting, climbing up a tree to get the honey from wasps and being mm. stung and all of that survival element of it of running away felt like it was slightly detached from the message of mm. slaves being liberated very slowly across America in that time. Mm. And I think by the time I got to the end of it, I realized that it hadn't connected with me that much. Mm. Will Smith is decent in it. I think it's a role which I think he takes on very well you can tell he really believes in what he's doing on screen. I found that the directing of it and what it's trying to do with this story slightly separate from how I eventually felt about it and I was a little bit I don't think I'm going to think on it much more okay well I I know I know what you're saying it sounds like it's almost got like a kind of you know, it's got a wider, very um, interesting historical historical, uh, part to it, but then it's kind of like bolted to a kind of B-movie, like assault course kind of plot, um, which seems a shame. How long is it? Uh, It's two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, I think it could be worth a watch. I mean, Will Smith is a good actor, regardless of what happened back, you know, last year. And what people will know who are familiar with the story is that, after the events of the film, uh, Peter is photographed by a war photographer, and they do this very famous photo, which is of his back, which is completely covered in the scars of having been whipped. And it's called The Scorched Back, and it's one of the photos of slavery that traveled through the Americas that acted as this like huge turning point for understanding the horrors of slavery, changing the minds of many of the public, and it's that that idea Mm. that we're telling the story, bringing it to screen, and there's sort of a moment in the film where that photo, you know, the moment he's shown Mm. uh, how they did that photo. And I thought that that was quite good, but um, ultimately just didn't really connect with it. And it's interesting, you know, you bring up a a subject like slavery, and I think there are so many ways to really engage your audience. Mm. And, you know, they really tried to make a villain out of Ben Foster's character. Mm. And there's one scene where it tries to sort of really give that character an extra level of depth which I don't really think is there mm-hmm. so I'm not really that interested in this person who's like lots of grimacing and lots of menacing mm-hmm. like there's some motive for why they are believing the things that they believe but it just didn't, it felt that to one dimensional. And, and also when you're talking about this, the kind of uh, approach to colour and it's, you know, the thing is like, take a film like 12 Years a Slave, which I know it seems like a very yeah. obvious example to compare it to but it's like with the cinematography in that, which is really beautiful. It's not. It was almost like saying there is beauty in the world. It's yeah. just out of the reach of Solomon Northup. Yeah, um, and uh, um, yeah, that that's one thing that's very striking. and you know you have the kind of oh yeah, just thinking about all those sort of different shots and uh, you know like you have the beauty. You know, he's there's a, I that's a, that bit in 12 years of slave where Solomon's walking through the, the woods. You've got these beautiful, hanging you know, the, the real, like, dynamic, hanging trees of the forest. Then he yeah. comes across a, a lynching, and it's like this sudden switch. Um, it's very easy in your film to have your sad scene set when it's raining, and your ominous, foreboding scene set during thunder, and yeah. your very happy scene set in the sun. But Pletic there's something fallacy. more, yeah, something more disciplined about having some of something that's absolutely horrifying to watch happening on a bright, day. sunny, yeah. blue sky day um i mean look i I think you know the the cinematography it was just more of a stylistic choice for me i thought i don't really fancy this i'm not really enjoying the way it looks um but there you go emancipation interested to hear if anyone else has seen it yeah if you'd want to please write into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and let us know what you thought And you've seen another film, James, haven't you? Well, we just talked about Nicholas Holt earlier. So you've seen the menu? Yeah, the menu. It's one of those films which I sort of was interested in seeing, it was sort of wrapping up the films I need to get to for the end of the year. Went to the cinema to go and see it with my mum. And oh, hello, this was the menu, which is directed by Mark Mylod, who is a mm. Game of Thrones and Succession writer alumni. Mm. And when you sort of know a bit more about the plot, makes a lot of sense. It's another satirization of the ultra wealthy. Like uh, I can't tell if I'm starting to get a little bit tired of them because White I Lotus, trying for sadness, White island, Lotus, succession. succession, even to extent the Crown. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of that brand of satire going yeah. around which you know I can't blame considering the way in which the ultra wealthy well, have I'm never saying, been more yeah. wealthy than ever yeah, there's that uh, so the menu is all about a group of very wealthy individuals going to experience the food of a three Michelin star uh, chef called Chef Slowick who's played by the very menacing Ralph Fiennes. It's probably his... Ralph Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes Sorry thank you. you played by the very menacing Ralph Fiennes. He's playing probably the most menacing role I've seen him in, considering he's done Voldemort, Voldemort and a Nazi. That's always quite <laughs> impressive. He's really menacing. <laughs> and, um, you know, to go... This is a restaurant called Hawthorne, which is not just on its own secluded thing, it's on its own island. You have to get a boat out to go there. It is 1250 ahead. And on this uh little boat, which are heading towards Hawthorne, is uh a character played by Nicholas Holt, who's like a huge wannabe foodie. He just adores everything this man has ever done, everything he's ever said. And he's brought on his new girlfriend called Margot, played by Anya Taylor Joy, who almost acts as the very blank uh, you know, uh, a frame for the audience. She's like, who is this? What are we doing? Why is it so special? You've got three finance bros who, uh, their boss is the person who funds Hawthorne and this restaurant. You've got an old couple who have been many times before to Hawthorne. You've got uh, John Luciozamo playing uh, a sort of slightly washed-up actor who wants to do a Netflix show about food, but needs to prove that he has a good palate. So he's like taken his as assistant to this all-inclusive resort, and so they turn up on the island, and someone's there to greet them, and they know everyone by their first and last name. Every chef in the kitchen knows exactly who that everyone is, and you get this sense that every single part of this experience has been specifically tailored. To each individual person, and I'll twist. One of the things that happens that Anya Taylor-Joy was not meant to be on this uh, this 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 journey. Nicholas Holt was going to take his ex-girlfriend, but they broke up. So he instead brought Anya Taylor-Joy, and it's very very awkward moment when they turn up and the woman calls her by the wrong name and realizes that actually mm. there's been a sort of supplement eventually they meet this um or they go around and they see like there's someone fishing for the scallops in the water and here's the meat which is aged to perfection everything's grown on the island served on the island and you get to meet ray fines in this immaculate kitchen all with copper pots and his chefs that every time he says something they go yes chef and it's immediately um apparent that he has sort of like a sharp discipline and every time uh, a course is about to be served he does this a bit like Hello. you do when you roll, roll, <laughs> roll, <like sink> clap, <laughs> yeah. and all the chefs immediately stand to attention, and um, and they, uh, you sort of you get these breakups of the film by each course, mm-hmm. and it starts with an amuse bouche, and then there's a second course, third course, and apéritif, blah blah blah, and you get the sense that the character of Chef Slowik is slightly, you know, disgusted by the fact that his quality of his foods has reached such a level that only the jaded and ultra wealthy can experience it. And he is looking to make a very distinct point with what he's serving to these people Mm. about the fact that they are wealthy and ignorant and Mm. greedy and jealous. And, oh, sorry, there's also two food critics who are there as well, who are both, um, have long-term relationships with the chef. And both of them are both like just going back and forth with sound bites about, yes, well, it's very uh, this. And they're Mm. both sort of like trying to reaffirm each other's views the whole time. I'm not going to say too much about the courses because each course kind of builds, but there's this sense that you never know whether or not something that's happening is actually happening and someone's being hurt or someone's doing this or whether or not it's all part of the culinary experience. For example, there's one moment where he serves a taco course and printed on the taco sheets for each individual person is like a burn-in of something different. So for... The finance bros, it is their detailed spreadsheets of the accounts that they fudged and mm. the invoices that they falsified. For the old married couple, it's the the husband at dinner with another woman, photographed huh. with and like. There's all of these different things that people are realizing. Like, this is a very deeply personal and mm. exposing uh, experience. But you're like, is this? Is he actually going to kill us all? Is this part of it? And you know, there's a course where he serves bre- a bread course with little okay. dips. But he doesn't serve any bread. It's right. just the dips. And it's just this idea that you know it is a parable about classism. It is about exploiting capitalism, right. and it is about how art can be commodified into nothingness. And sometimes the most outrageous thing to do when people are paying for everything is to give them nothing. Right. I think that's all I want to say because what the courses are, yeah. I think you yes, know, sure. go, goes. But does on it to work? I think the film rushes into rushes to get into the courses, yep. if that makes sense. And I think by course two, <laughs> I was already like, holy shit, we're, we're going here. I think I would have loved it to have done a little bit less. Mm. I like the idea, I like the concept. Like each course gets more and more extreme, and the point it's trying to make, and the chef has clearly got a direction of what he wants to do. Everyone's equally horrible yeah. and kind of interesting to watch. Very succession, very, yeah. like again, it's drawing from a lot of sure. different things. I do feel like I've kind of seen this before. Uh, From the middle, it was just a bit everywhere all at once. No pun intended. And by the end, I was like, yeah, it's a nice ending. I like that. But I think it's overall an enjoyable watch for a nice quiet time at home. So uh, a... An interesting premise, lots of great ideas in there. A lot of yeah, an interesting premise, lots of good ideas. Slightly fumbled perhaps, but it, it sort of gets away with it by the end. It has a, it almost has a knives out, sorry, a glass onion feel to it, but no way near as uh, sharp and yes. clear yes. as knives out. Knives, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, glass onion. Yeah. You go. I know exactly what this thing is trying to do. Yeah. With this, the menu, I could, if I wanted to, go in and really try and draw meaning from lots of things, yeah. but I'm not sure I'm interested enough to do so. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. That was uh, my impressions on the menu. If you've seen it, please write in and let us know what you thought um, and we will read them out on the show. George, another week goes by, which means another week of our letterbox being filled with emails from our audience. As yes. always, if you wanted to send us an email into the show, you can do by emailing emailing into hello at Pop Kitchen podcast. And just to reiterate, like we you said, people you, may have sent in some other emails, but because we are recording this, at the tail end of 2022, Mm. uh, we might not have got your email just yet, but obviously stay tuned in future episodes and we'll get there. And sometimes we save them for future episodes. So If you send one in, you might not get it read out for a couple of episodes, but we are recording this for the future. (laughs) This first one is from Sam, who writes into hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. He says, hello, after watching just one of the best World Cup games ever, what are your favorite sport Mm. movies, brackets, football films? Mm. For me, loads come to mind, such as Bend It Like Beckham, great, Escape to Victory, the Gold Trilogy, brackets, not the third one, the Damned United, and of course, one of my favourite comedies of all time, Mike Bassett, England Manager. Oh, yeah. It would be interesting to know what your favourite ones are. Also, I'd like to say how much I enjoy the pod. I'm always telling people how good you guys are, and on a cold day, when I'm walking home from work, listening to you makes me feel like I'm in a warm pub speaking oh. to my friends about films. Hope you both have an amazing Christmas and New Year from Sam. That's Thank, very sweet. That's very Thank kind. Thank you so much. That's a really lovely thing. Uh, sports. Well, first of all, I mean, uh, yes, I mean, this is going to be completely out of date when we bring it up. The World Cup final was fantastic. What a, uh, what, yeah. what a brilliant thing. Um, sports movies. Um, I don't watch a lot of sports movies. Yeah. Anybody, the Damned United, I've only seen once. I do think- I've I do remember Damned really United. enjoying that. That's ben Delight Beckham's fantastic. Yep. Um, crack, I mean, let's go through the sports. The goal films, I have not thought about These are since I watched them. Yeah, I've seen, Any the, rugby ones? I've seen one and two. Uh, oh, there's, there's the one with Morgan Freeman and Matt Damon. Oh, Invictus. Invictus. Yes. yes. That's quite that's good. That's okay. Yeah, that's all right. That's yeah, all the right. One. Okay. That's rugby. But looks up. Uh, there's a couple of baseball films, I'm sure. There's um, I'm F1 not... film Rush with- That's okay. Uh, what's the face? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Daniel Brawl. Other, Daniel Daniel Brawl also it. Senna. Documentary. i not seen, but I really oh, need to my see Senna. Senna. That's a great. Oh, yeah. great. Right. Um, I mean, what else is there? I mean, baseball has probably got like, you know, League of Own. Oh, Any Given Sunday for the- for the American football. Hey, if you want a really good American football one, watch OJ Made in America, which yeah. starts off as a sports film, <laughs> then becomes a crime thriller, <laughs> and then becomes a legal thriller. Um, sports are a great framing for a film. Mm. The Adam Sandler Longest Yard. Have you seen that? Or Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, yeah. Um, there you go. We've named a few, but it's clear that James and I do not watch a lot of sports ones, but there's a... There's a there's I a, wonder if Goal 1 holds up. Never seen it, and yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> This next one's from Douglas, he says, hi lads, hope you're both well. It's my second time writing in, friend of the show, and I want to say again, what a great job you guys do. I remember sitting in my car, listening to an episode for the first time, while waiting for my wife to finish work, playing along with the cast list game. More Mm -hmm. important that I say sirens on our end when they're here. I don't want our audience to be pulling over. Um, Then I caught up with the whole backlog catalog to the point where I was, it was one of the, then I caught up with a whole back catalogue to the point where I was one of the many who had Pulp Kitchen as my top podcast on Spotify Wrap 2022. Thank you. As the year comes to an end, a lot of the films you have recently discussed are now making their way to streaming services. However, I've noticed it being a lot quicker in some cases. Amsterdam appeared on Disney Plus the other week and yes. it didn't seem long ago you guys were at the premiere. Follow at poppicturepodcast.com. What a time that was. Yeah. After listening to you talk about Barbarian, I looked at local listings to see very few showings I could make. But literally, a few days later, it too is on Disney+. Plus. See How They Run is also there with Banshees of Inner Sharon due on by the time your next episode is out. It is out now. Mm. Do you think The Window from theatrical release to streaming is too short and will impact people's decision whether to pay to see a film at the cinema for the sake of a few weeks to watch at home even with cinema ticket prices reduced since COVID as you said a few weeks ago Marvel of course also have their reported 45 day window and by my calculation that could mean Black Panther Wakanda Forever might get a festive January 1st release on Disney Plus for everyone to watch on their shiny new Christmas presents well people will know by now if if it's out so what do you think about that is it too Um, short the thing is I think it's worth saying that these decisions about the release date windows are made by industry experts who have probably access to much more detail than you and, yeah, I, you and an I, I would. But, but as a consumer, I would say, hmm. I know your point, which is that- I think so. On the one hand, it's like, you, what, you think they are going to- I think it's too short. You think they should be longer? I think it kills the- If I was- If you know that it's coming out on streaming, you think, oh, what? why bother? I'd be like, yeah, three, if I can catch it in, in five weeks- Mm. I'd go, oh, just leave it. But on the flip side, they might, thinking, they might be thinking they might be like, that film you miss it. But on the flip side, they might say, well, we've we created this buzz, this initial marketing window where it's in people's mind. If we bring it out a month later on a streaming platform, it's, like, still gonna be, it's still going to be, it's still going to be people's heads. It's still going to be a valuable product. Whereas if you wait three months, it's not going to be as impactful. Um, I mean, selfishly as a consumer, it's great to be like, oh great, that film's already on there. I'm going to watch it. But uh, I know what you mean. those release date, those sort of release date windows have been there for a long time, you know, way back when it used to be your film would come out and then it wouldn't be allowed to be released on DVD or rental for a set, set amount of time. It was just like an agreed amount of time. Um, I, I think what it does is it means that the only reason to go and see a film in cinema, if you're being very cynical, is not to be part of the conversation. It's because like I only it's only because I want to see it on the big screen. Mm. So it, it really drives those like special effects driven, large format films to be seen in cinemas. Whereas comedies and things like that, you can go, Oh, well, I'll just get it in, in five weeks. And it's less mm. of like, you know, you need to create this sense of urgency to see it. If we think of like a successful comedy like the hangover one right, right. there was almost a sense that if you hadn't seen it you missed out you weren't mm. getting the jokes you're oh god i oh, do yeah. you remember that bit whereas if it's going to be out in a month anyway it's mm. almost like you're going to have seen it so i i think not that i have any data to back it up i would go no no like protect like go if you want to see it and like be a part and listen to the podcast and be part of the discussion it's gonna not gonna be not gonna be out on your tv for six months all I will say... Because obviously technologically they can just put it whatever. Though wherever. as well, is films like Amsterdam, See How They Run, Barbarian, and even The Banshees of Ennis Sharon yeah. are smaller films. Uh-huh, yeah. That, uh, you know, it's not like like with Black Panther. They, uh, I don't know. I, I just... Yeah. I'd, I think you're right. I think it needs to exist. If you, if you yeah. know it can come out on streaming tomorrow, then you're not going to go. That's and, why it's not day and date. Hmm. It could be day and date. It could literally be... And sometimes it is. What was it? Luca was day and date or something like that? Mm. Is that straight to Disney Plus? I hope we've sort of answered your question there, Douglas. We don't know. Yes, because <laughs> I, I feel completely unqualified. That the yeah. experts should answer that. Um, question two from Douglas. On that subject, the last time I wrote in was talking about Marvel and how they seem to be running their cinematic universe just like the comic side of things. Oh, yes. It now seems Warner Brothers are follow- following suit to an extreme extent with another DC reboot on the way, yes. much like they do every few years with their own comic storylines, New 52, Rebirth, etc. What do you make of James Gunn's reported plan so far and how it's being handled, especially with Henry Cavill announcing he won't be the Witcher to return as Superman, then having to U-turn after discussions with Gunn? It all seems very public too, a bit like Elon Musk on Twitter himself, hmm. compared to Kevin Feige's secrecy and calculated convention appearances. Hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and Happy yeah. New Year. Can't wait to see what 2023 brings, and I hope Santa is good to all of the listeners by making the Before trilogy available on a streaming service <laughs> for your big discussion episode. All the best, Douglas, from Glasgow. Right, George, Just the Before elephant in the room. Oh, with well, the Before, um, we... we... We did say we were going to do a rewatch episode, and due to the I've not had time. Yes, James going has on one of them, but he needs to watch all of gonna them. Going to watch them. It will happen in January on Monday. Well, it it's coming at some point, and the longer we leave it, the more time we give people to watch it. It yeah. will come out. Good Christmas time, and we'll right. do it properly. We don't we don't oh. rush it. I don't want James to be like, oh, I I mainlined it on the plane back. Okay, um, and then about uh, how James Gunn is handling. Well, we talked a little bit about that bit before about, about how public he is and how messy it is. You know, um, S- Superman was back. That Speculation he's not back. about why. Um, rumors in a way it's like i'm very very dismissively i'm just like i'll just see when the film comes out yeah. quite frankly because there was a very good tiktok video that was going around about yeah. the challenges that james gunn's facing about like oh you've got this franchise and you've got this franchise oh by the way you've got a separate unconnected batman movie but you've got two jokers happening one you can't separate- do anything related to aquaman or yeah. wonder woman and yeah. we don't even know if you can talk about ezra Miller yet yeah. but there is this thing and yeah. i need to do that um so it's all very tangled up i will just in a way I'm going to take a step back yeah. and I will take them on a film by film basis. So like Shazam, Fury of the Gods, I know it's kind of outdated now. It's yeah. not part of James Convision Vision. Probably not. The next bat, The Batman movie from Matt Reeves. Yes, yeah, so sign me up. The next Joker, I will go see it. Yeah. I think clearly, in my eyes, what has happened is James Kahn has been offered the role of choreographing the next output of DC. He's turned up on day one and he's gone, great, I have some ideas. And everyone's gone, hang on, we do have this in the works. There's this, Joker 2, blah, blah, blah. And I think he's just had to go, do you know what?
1: This is too much.
0: Do what I think we all want. Refresh, reboot the whole thing. He's like the professor on the blackboard and he's just pulling down that new slate. He's wiping everything off and going, okay. Forget what you know about DC. Yes. And he's just going to go, Superman, great. I'm going to do a new one. Sorry, Henry. There's just too much baggage. There's too many stories. You've got your own Batman. I've got this Batman. I've got this one. I can't touch that flat. No. He's clearly just going to go, do I have permission to completely refresh this entire thing and start from zero? And I think that is probably the best thing that could happen to DC, because they're not going to stop. a completely messy decade for DC. Just rushed. We've just gone into 2023. So 2012 was... uh, 2013. No, no, 2012 was when The Dark Knight Rises ends. That's one era era of DC over. Then Man of Steel happens. And I do think that when they made Man of Steel, they weren't yet planning necessarily interconnected universes. I think it's when um after, about maybe around the time age of Ultron after, came out when i don't know 2015 i think yeah, okay. i think after man of steel came out they were like look oh by All the time ta- by the time that man of steel came out yes you're right after yeah. avengers they were like look we need to maybe now mash this into an interconnected yeah. universe and we've had 10 years of i don't think i mean one to two good dc films and then now they're like okay guys DCU films, say. DCU films. Yeah. Thank you, and then uh and now, yeah, reset. So, yes, start again. Cleanser. Start again, but like, but then keep the Batman. <laughs> so exhausted from know, starting know, all over just, again. God. There you go, Douglas. Thank you as always for writing in the show. This last one is from Josie, who says, Hi, Pop Kitchen. Thank you for making this podcast. It has become the highlight of my week. Also, I can't imagine how much work it takes to produce an episode every single week with this high quality of production and all on your own. So thank you very much. I will say, Josie, that's very kind of you to say because we are recording this at the end of 2022 and james and i can both admit we are exhausted absolutely (laughs) exhausted from plate spinning two different lives, watching emancipation in the menu for content (laughs) and then doing a full day's work straws Uh, and i will go to work some days and people will be like as people you know do casually talking about movies what do you think about this movie george i think i just can't (laughs) I can't give you my opinion because I've just saw what I every conversation that I've had with you nauseum. I'm like I already know everything to say about yeah. this. Not originally or like, I need my lunch. Just this conversation. Um, thank you Joe, kind of thank say. you Sorry, for the appreciation. What, um what was the question? My question is have you always been able to analyze what you liked and disliked and what was objectively good in a film or is it a skill that you developed over time? a kind of skill. It's very kind. If so, when and how did you develop the skill as I'm fairly new to my interest in film and struggle to come out of watching one with something to say about it that isn't just a black and white response on whether I enjoyed it or not Merry Christmas from Josie long-term listener discover the podcast from what shall not be named again <laughs> um well I don't I mean we we would never no. ever uh, emphasize or, or stress that we, we it's a skill or anything that we've we've no. picked up very kind of you to say very, very kind. but to reframe that if you're asking how to always get more out of a of, of watching a film and how to really sort of um if you want to have uh develop a nuanced opinion or you come out of a film and you Feel a certain way, but you want to really hone in on why, then yeah, there are things you can do. I mean, podcast, podcast is a great one. Podcast good, but also discussing it with who who you've seen it with, and 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 really honing in on what what doesn't work. You know, I remember very early on learning that bad dialogue <laughs> often equals bad acting. Yeah. So I realized that people often will fall short and just blame the actors, but I realize a bad script is the connective tissue behind all of that. You know, um this stuff doesn't come out in a vacuum. You know, James and I for years, as many other people have engaged, engage with film criticism, engage in debates around it. You know, pub I used friends. to read, go pub with friends, go cinema with friends, talk about it. I used to read empire magazine and then, or if it doesn't matter if it's this empire is, magazine or like little white lies or sight and sound or, or it's a podcast like this, just mm. develop it and really always think about, I think, I think that's the thing because in a way that this podcast has got us in the habit of, so I'll come out of something <laughs> and I'll just think, okay, how did I feel about that? And what, and why, but why do I feel that way? So if you were mm. bummed out, really think about why that was, was it because, oh, it was slow? Okay. And why was it slow? Well, I thought it, and where was it slow when well, I thought yeah. it dragged here? Um, just always continue to be curious. And the more, Ask you see, questions. The more you'll be like, well, that film was able to do that better. Yes. And I've and, seen that and done yeah, before. Where smarter, have you seen that film done better uh, yeah. before? What would you have preferred? And, 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 and what has that director done better? Just all of those things. And it will set you on. and even though you're being very kind and saying that it's like a skill that we have i think if you ask me and george we would say that we're both always trying to sound clearer better more knowledgeable and it is one of those things that's like the more you do it the more confident you feel talking and And if i went back to earlier episodes of this podcast i would be cringing at the way in which i feel like i talk about a film i still don't think i I, i'm always trying to communicate an idea clearer and also you and i still see stuff and go I have no thoughts about this. Yeah, there's oftentimes we've seen something and go, well, I just don't have, I don't want to force a take from nowhere because I don't think it's interesting enough for people to hear. So therefore we don't cover it. Exactly. And we're never going to try and see stuff that we're really not interested in. I think there's a line where we'll see stuff that I think provides value to you and hopefully to us, but we can't, you know, sit down and just watch stuff for the sake of it. If it's not going to interest us, it it probably won't interest you. hope that answers your question. Yeah. That's all the uh, emails we got this week. Thank you, Josie, for that last one. If you wanted to write an email into the show, as always, you can email hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com and we will read them out on a future episode. Thank you very much. Okay, George, it's the first episode of the new year and I thought I would start us off with one of our favourites, both between us and on social media. It is Castless Countdown. Oh, very good. Okay. This game, as our old listeners will know, but our new listeners might not know, is i am going to read the cast of a film from the order of least relevant mm-hmm. to primary cast member and george has to guess what film i'm talking about before i get to mm-hmm. the end of that list for reasons All right i will leave a sort of 3 to 4 second break between each name mm-hmm. and george has to shout out the film that it is you can play along at home in your car in the bath in the shower <laughs> doing wherever your homework you wherever you are just scream tropic thunder <laughs> in bruges <laughs> And people will come over and ask you what podcast you're listening to. Yeah. And you'll say. <laughs> so, George, are you ready? I'm I've ready. Got, I think I've it. got seven rounds for you today. Oh, but well, crikey. Well, I've, what, I've done an effort. What, what a show. time to be alive. It's new year. We're trying hard. Okay. okay. Film one. You have to guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Reg E. Cathy. Okay. Tim Blake Nelson. Great actor. Toby Kebbell. Great actor. Kate Mara, another good actor. Oh. Jamie Bell. Okay. Michael B. Jordan. Oh, okay. So hang on. If it's Michael, Mike- okay. So no, that is uh, fanforstic. Yes. Fantastic Four, fan four from, from 2015. Last one was Miles Teller. Taylor. Yeah. God, that is the only good thing to come out of that movie is that is where Jamie Bell and Kate Mara met. But what a cast. You would kill yeah. that cast. Now, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tony Campbell, Kate Mara, Jamie Bell, yeah. Michael B. Jordan, yeah. Mars Teller. I know. That was round one. Sh- shame about the movie. I know. <laughs> what a movie of two halves. We've covered it. We've covered it. Yeah, sure. sure. Next round. George, you have to guess the film based on its cast. Okay. Ready? Is that what we do? Based on its cast? Yeah. George, you have to guess the film based on its cast. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. Courtney B. Vance. Great actor. Michael Gladys, J.K. Simmons, Lee Byung Hun, uh, Jason Clark, oh, Jai Courtney. Amelia Clark. Oh, uh, this is another shite film. 2015. This is this is Terminator shit. <laughs> Genesis. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> that is a yeah, that's a real stinker. My God, Matt Smith it could also be in that. Oh, list. Matt Smith. Where's put- oh, Matt Smith is in yeah, there. Sorry, oh, yeah. There. My goodness. Wow. Okay, George, you have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Okay. Three, two, one. Courtney B. Vance. Great actor. Michael Gladys. J.K. Simmons. Right. Lee Byung hun. Jason Clark. That's not Matt Smith. <laughs> Matt Smith? Not Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney and Jason Amelia Clark. Clark. Oh, this is um this is the Terminator Arnold Genesis. Oh, Terminator yes. Genesis. Yes. I've what not seen it. Stinker. I've oh. not. Did you watch it? I watched some of it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's to totally tell you everything. It. Yeah. Good lord! They since what did they do? They did Dark something after that. Uh, dark Fate. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a generic title that could be for anything. Yeah, anything, dark anything is Dark Fate. <laughs> yeah, there's a Dark Fate everywhere. Okay, next film. Okay, you have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Three, two, one. Katherine Waterson. Okay. Michael Stuhlbarg, Pop Kitchen favorite. Good cast. Jeff Daniels, Jeff. Seth Rogen. Oh, oh my God! What a book. Kate Winslet, um, Steve Jobs, and then last one yes. is Michael Fassbender. Very good film. Yes, another great cast. Another uh, stellar cast. Massively underrated Love film as well. The mixture I keep... of comedy and, and dramatic actors. Oh yeah! I keep meaning to rewatch it, it and good. just yeah sorry sorry no Catherine Waterston is she the his wife his ex-wife she's something, something. I can't remember she's what she something. is I know who's you? also in that is Sarah Snook from um, she is in the very obsession. beginning yeah, yeah. Sarah snook. S- S- did it, snook did I say Snook Snook i like said Snook, snook. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Snook yeah Snuck I would say in. Snook yeah. that's uh, an interesting surname, very good Snook Snook yeah I yeah. know yeah. Snook do you I grew up, I grew up with someone who's called Snook <laughs> <laughs> keep saying it it sounds weirder and weirder the Snooks are coming over who's that oh the Snooks are going to be there uh, anyway, all <laughs> right, okay. This is a, this is a big cast. Okay. okay. And yeah, this is a big cast. i am interested to see if you get it straight away. Bring I on. can't remember if you've seen this film. Ready? You have to guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Elizabeth Debicki. Okay. Vanessa Kirby. Double crown. Martin Henderson. Right. Sam Worthington. Okay. okay. Emily Watson. Stacked, this is a stacked cast. Michael Kelly. Kira Knightley. That's big. Robin Wright. John Hawkes. Great actor. Josh Brolin. Bloody hell. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, Last one. The, uh, this is Everest. Yeah, my God. That's Last a, one. That's Jason Clark. Proper Major sandwich. Of and her. I didn't even mention everyone. There are more people, but yeah. I thought I've got no, like I got. twelve. A long in there. times since I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. crikey Robin Wright. I forgot she was here. She is. This like a the, the people at the base camp. Right. And then you've got everyone up to Elizabeth Debicki. Are they. Oh, the yeah. Josh Brolin with his frozen hands and the water. Oh God. Yeah. That sounds not as bad as you think it is. It's not terrible, no. no. It's perfectly interesting. And, but then I think it, then it gets like, to, and you're like, oh, this is actually like a, a real serious, real life thing. Like, oh, but it's kind of billed as like a big blockbuster, yeah. like towering everest. Everest, what can go wrong? I remember I got Vertigo seeing it in oh, in the, cinema. the big did with, 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 with the like going over the, what are they Ca- called? Chasm? 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 C- <laughs> yeah. cra- not cravat. <laughs> Cravass. <laughs> yes, the cravat. Yes. yes, that is Everest. Wow. So, Is that your last one? No, no. Oh, we've got more. We've got more. We've got one, two, three, four more. Am I? Bonus bumper game. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, this is round five. You're doing very well. You have to guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Pete Davidson. Right. Tilda Swinton. Brie Larson. Ezra Miller. Daniel Radcliffe. Um, LeBron James. <laughs> um, John it, Cena. This is a train wreck. <laughs> yes. Wow, that really threw me. Bill Hader and give me, Amy give Schumer Give me that from the, from the beginning It's a head. weird one. That's, that's why I changed yeah, it because you've got, so you've got Pete Davidson. Yes. Tilda Swinton. Right. Brie Larson. Who's Tilda Swinton I, I can't remember. She, I swear she's like in disguise or something. Something here. like that. Uh, Brie Larson. Ezra Who's Miller. B- oh, she's the sister. Yeah, Ezra Miller. Daniel Radcliffe. Who's Ezra Miller oh, yeah, for a, the intern. Yeah. for a scene. LeBron James. Yes, as LeBron James. I remember that? Yeah. John Cena. Yes, I remember that. Being very funny. In that, that was his first like kind of comedic. Yeah, yeah. Fully naked as well. Uh, Bill Hader and Amy Schumer. Wow. Wow. God, that was a good one. Uh, so it's interesting because it's weird. Big car. You stopped. Okay, so that was Trainwreck from 2015. Wow, okay. Amy Schumer film. Next one. You have to guess the film. It's around six. Okay. You have to guess the film. Based on its cast, I hope you're doing very well at home. <laughs> First one, Bobby Cannavale. Right, he's did everything. Corey Stoll, Judy Greer, Ti, <laughs> Ti, David Dasmalkian. Sorry for the bad pronunciation. Oh, he's um... Michael Pena. This is um, this is uh, Ant-Man. Ant-Man. What? Ant-Man. One. Ant-Man one. Just Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Not Ant-Man and anything. Next up was Evangeline Lilly. Yes. And, and Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd, of course. Yeah. Um Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, he, it's weird. It's like a very random. There. <laughs> but it's a really random Bob- Bobby Cannavale role. He's just like the father of the of his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, I mean, He's not like father of the, 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 the new husband. Sorry, at father of his daughter. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah, good one. I'm trying to get some interesting people in I there. I see what you're doing. you Get you're TI. Doing. Just throw, it. just throw the, it's all about diverting the yeah, brain's okay. attention. Get you. well done. Second last one. You have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? In three, two, one. Keegan-Michael Key. Okay. Judy Greer. Okay. Catherine Hahn. Great. But. Tim McGraw. Thomas Robinson, Hugh Laurie, Hugh Laurie, Hugh Laurie, Raffi Cassidy, Britt Robertson, Last one. Oh, oh, George Clooney. Yes. My God, not even seen George it. George no. Very forgotten film. And a very mixed cast yeah, as well. Wow, I no. do not know what it's about, and it's based on a ride. God, yeah. But that film exists. Yeah, wow. And George Clooney's in. But I remember it, it was a massive, massive box office. Yeah, it looked expensive, didn't it? Hugh Laurie, yeah. Hugh Laurie is the villain. I want to say. Yeah, George Clooney's had a bit of a bad luck of uh, flops. Yeah, but like George Clooney doesn't do that much. But like he turned up in 2015 to do Tomorrowland. Yeah, random. Yeah, I think they were hoping it would be the kind of oh, like franchise builder, the next Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, last one, and I don't know if you'll get this, but I think I think you could get it. You get it. You're very good, James. Last one. You have to guess the film. Based on its cast. Okay. Three, two, one. Zoe Kravitz. Okay. Suki Waterhouse. Nice. Octavia Spencer. Jai Courtney. Again. Uh... Kate Winslet. Naomi Watts. Oh, hang on. Is this like... It's, um, is it Divergent, Ansel Allegiant, Gaw, Insurgent? It's insurgent, but I'll accept either. The franchise they never finished. They never finished. They never finished yeah, yeah, so they Gaw, it. They just stopped You get Miles Teller, Theo James, and Charlie. Oh, yeah, Ridley. Theo James. Why yeah. notice Theo James? Yeah, that, so that series was possible at first in a sort of, we're coming generic, off The Hunger Games, yeah, kind yeah. of like, you know, Dystopian. teen dystopia, fuck the man kind yeah. of thing and then really just they seem to just give up on it yeah i mean, that, I mean no they literally did didn't they, they did yeah. the maze runner is another one of yes. that brand yeah. It was all going after the hunger games yeah. sort of coattails and then it was just dead yeah Do but you know, yeah because i remember the maze runner somebody got i think like dylan o'brien got injured yes and then it came out in like like two years after the bubble had burst on like the dystopian thing it was like yeah. the maze runner and everyone was like huh and, oh no! And no. you had um, what's the face from Game of Thrones? Be like, you'll never survive the scorch. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Aiden Turner, yeah. Aiden Turner, just being that like he always had his own brand of like mysterious, grimacy, yes. villainous type. Ah. Yeah, good one. But so, there you go. So, and then, so yeah, I'm pretty sure you guessed it, but there was a th- I want to say theme, but something that links every single one of these yeah, films. Wh- and what was it? Well, well, well they're all from 2015. <laughs> that's why, it. why were that's they all it. from 2015? What specific? Just fancy there. I just thought we'd throw in a 2015. It's a mixed year. Of one of those films. years that's like. It's kind of recent, but not now. I think this time I gave you some films which are not considered the all-time greats. There are some okay films in there. Oh, yeah, you put some stinkers in there. But I put some there. stinkers in yeah. there. Because okay. it's too obvious to do, like, the cast of Django Unchained. Fair enough. You know, Yeah, it's worth putting... in. But like, to all the films, I think, great casts. Uh, fantastic Steve Jobs, cuts, fantastic great, film. Oh, All, yeah, all yeah. of those great casts I wouldn't yeah. argue with any of them. Yeah. Well, there you go. Those were those were lots of games for you guys. Thank you for staying with us while we record some TikToks for our social media channel and <laughs> hopefully provide you <laughs> a game uh, for our show. But I hopefully you enjoyed that and you played along at home. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. And sometimes we post extra content as well, such as spoiler chats about things or in-depth discussions about stuff. Um... Also, Instagram, TikTok—you guys know we're on there. Please follow us. Please uh, like us. And uh, you might not be uh, subscribed to YouTube, but please come along and subscribe. And give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star rating. Rate us on give us—you re- re- can also review us on Spotify now. I believe there is an can option you? to do that. You can comment on stuff now. You can, can you? comment or on Apple Apple reviews. You can as yeah. well. All of that helps us and supports us, and we really, really appreciate it. See you next week. Thank you.